So here we are the week before Palm Sunday, the week before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we're, working, we're worshiping on Saturday instead of Sunday because we're anticipating tomorrow's triumphal entry of the marathoners into our neighborhood. And this has been a week of some triumphal marching of sorts. On Wednesday, the youth of our nation organized themselves to do a walkout to honor their fellow students in Florida who were senselessly gunned down during school. And right here on 4th Street, in front of the church, we had middle schoolers, great energy and really great megahorns marching down the street. They went through the farmer's market, the promenade, and all around downtown. And their voices were joined with voices of kids at Samo High, middle schoolers, high schoolers, and even some elementary school kids across LA and across our land. And they were shouting, enough. They're shouting for safe schools, shouting for gun control. They were shouting for their lives. The choice to walk out in some areas was supported by teachers and administrators. My nephew's school district, like many districts and schools, disseminated their plans to support the kids, to help them raise their voices. Yet other school areas raised barriers, and many are imposing disciplinary procedures. Allentown, Pennsylvania students spent today, Saturday, in detention. Kansas City students are choosing between after-school detention or disciplinary meetings later this month or next month. And a county in Georgia is planning five-day suspensions, far more than what any kid would ever have for cutting one class. Courage. Youth have courage. They gave up on accepting the world as it is. They mobilized for change. Started doing what is right for a greater good at the expense of self. And some places supported, some places not. And that is in part what Jesus is saying in today's gospel reading from John. Jesus is inviting us to give up our attachment to worldly power structures, our attachment to putting ourselves before God, to detach from putting ourselves before the greater good. That is our call as Christians. And the context in the reading this morning is that Jesus had already actually ridden into Jerusalem through the palm-waving crowds, And that happened right after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Word had spread about Lazarus and crowds had flocked to see the miracle for themselves. So in John's gospel, this moment, these crowds flocking to see Lazarus, to see Jesus in this miracle of new life, this is the moment when the Pharisees decide Jesus must die. He's seen as a practical threat to the interest of the nation and the people. And as Caiaphas, a Pharisee, says in Scripture, it's better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed. So Jesus, in this scene, 
that we heard is responding to some Greeks who are part of the crowd who come out asking to see Jesus. And with the crowds pressing and the Pharisees ready to put him to death, Jesus explains that the time has come, his time has come. He will be like a grain of wheat falling to the earth and dying, yet in dying bearing much fruit. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now we have the benefit of 2,000 years of our spiritual ancestors following Jesus, theologians, mystics, monastics, and regular people like us, people who've wrestled with as we have this great mystery at the heart of our faith that new life, resurrected life, comes from Jesus' death. And every year from Palm Sunday through Holy Week and Easter, we have an incredible opportunity to enter that mystery again with our full selves and our minds and our bodies. To experience the central Christian mystery of eternal life coming out of death. God, eternally connected to us in the here and now, yet through death. And at sitting at this precipice of Holy Week, Jesus is telling us that we too need to die to have eternal life. He's talking about death to self and death to worldly values and worldly attachment. He's not talking specifically about that end point when we physically die. He's talking to, about the death of us as isolated single grains of wheat, hoarding our private existence, wanting to exist as these little solitary grains. He's instead talking about giving ourselves as seeds over to the greater good of the garden, God's garden. A seed on its own is worthless. Its potential unused. Yet being planted in the earth, it dies to that form and is transformed into new life and gives new seeds. Jesus goes on to say it in another way with much more hard-hitting language. Those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And this is a here and now proclamation where Jesus is talking about our worldly lives, the lives we lead based on worldly values instead of lives led in God's values, in God's purposes for the world. Those who love their life in this world and of the world lose it. And those who hate their life in this world, who hate the worldly values, actually keep eternal life. It's a self-love, self-adulation, self-centeredness of us, of our power structures that are focused on enriching us and empowering us. That is what is to die. And Jesus is calling us to turn our love to God because eternal life is with God and is in line with God's purposes, in line with God's liberating and life-giving love. 
And many of us have actually had tastes of this kind of experience of death and losing a life as we've known it. As lo losing lives that have been more focused on me, me, me than anything for the greater good. I mean, just think about parenting. Has any parent not lost life as was once known? New life becomes based on the infant, the child, or dare I say, the teenager. And the same thing can happen in marriage or when we care for loved ones, caring for people who are ill, who are chronically ill, disabled, or walking with people into their deaths. Our lives get transformed by love in those moments. And the death of what was breeds new life of love with whoever it is we're caring for. And sometimes that's supported by the world around us and sometimes it's not. And there is always loss and suffering of some sort. Now Jesus' challenge of losing life as we know it based on worldly values goes beyond the personal and family life. It's a huge challenge to our lives in our communities and our world. The more we connect with God's love, the more we will see the brokenness in the world around us. It jumps out at us, it hurts us, it angers us. So when Jesus is saying those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life, he's talking about hatred of all that is not God in this world the dark forces of power structures that oppress people, laws that out and out hurt whole populations, economic systems that value haves and have over the have-nots. I lived in Silicon Valley. I, can't, I stopped counting how many bumper stickers I saw of he who dies with the most toys wins. And note, it was always he. <laughs> not just a proclamation of capitalism and violence. That's not of God. Completely preventable violence, the violence that our kids were marching against. Yes, they are hating the lives of this world. And yes, some of them are experiencing pushback. Even us at this church in this teeny little way on Instagram, we posted a picture of the kids marching out front. And somebody commented, uh, somebody not of this community, that not one of them knows a thing about guns. To which another unknown person replied, they know about lockdowns. Kindergartners are learning how to hide from gun-wielding murderers in our schools. For anyone here who grew up in the late Cold War, you know, through the 60s and early 70s, there was that similar fear bred of violence, those drills to protect yourselves from, from bombs going off, nuclear bombs. We all knew in the school where to go hide, as if, you know, atomic bomb would go off and we really could get down to the gym. This is not God's kingdom. 
We should not have schools where kids are not safe. And that's just one teeny example of what is in the world around us that is not of God. So in this Holy Week that we are about to walk into, we have this time, this incredibly sacred time to enter into some of the most intensely sacred worship services that reenact, that walk through the suffering of seeing what is in, in the world, of being targets of what is wrong in the world. Walk with that suffering with Christ into death and into new life, the new life that comes when we proclaim the goodness of God's kingdom, when we live as loving beings in this world. It comes with a price. I wish it were easy. You just go hang out with Jesus and everything would be good. But the more we hang out with Jesus, the more we engage with that love, the bigger the cost may be, yet the bigger the glory. The deeper that love is, the more the love blossoms, and our little grain, our little seed, dies to self and bears new fruit. Amen.